You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers win 89-72 to in their first-round matchup in the NIT over St. Francis. And the Hoosiers will now go on to play the winner of Providence in Arkansas. We don't know exactly when, although it did sound like it might be Thursday night. We will wait to see. But the Hoosiers, after a sluggish start in the first half, turn things around in the second half, get the win by about the margin most people expected that it would be. And we're going to break it all down for you in this edition of the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's start this edition of the Assembly Call the way we start every edition of the Assembly Call. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And uh, for the Banner Moment in this game, I'm going to go back to early in the second half. Because, you know, that first half was terrible. And we'll talk about it. Indiana was down 40-34. to 34, Really, for the most part, had played like a team that didn't really have a whole lot of interest in being in the NIT. But to their credit, they really came out with a different mindset and a different approach in the second half. And so, you know, the exact moment that I'm going to pinpoint here is at about the 1738 mark of the second half. This was the fourth possession of the second half. Devontae Green had missed a three. It was a good look, but he missed a three. Justin Smith with some nice hustle to tap out a, a, a rebound, kind of a Zach McRoberts-type play by Justin Smith. Jawan Morgan grabbed it, went strong, really attacked the basket. It put Indiana up 43-42. to 42. Indiana would not give up the lead again. And the Hoosiers scored nine points on those first four possessions by going inside. You know, even the threes that they took, they were inside-out shots. But the Hoosiers really came with an approach to get the ball inside, take advantage of their strengths and the weaknesses of St. Francis. It led to a 16-5 to start to the second half. And it really kind of felt like Indiana cruised from there. Not that they didn't keep playing hard, but they kind of took control of the game and kept it. And what I really liked about what we saw there, you know, in addition to what Jawan Morgan did, I mean, he kind of came out with a mindset that I'm going to dominate, and he did, and he was clearly the MVP for Indiana in that second half, as we'll talk about. But we saw a number of things from guys that we're going to need to see next year. You know, we saw Rob Finnessy creating and having a much better defensive approach on the other end to shut down King, who had really burned Indiana in the first half. We saw Devontae Green being patient, you know, taking good three-pointers, not forcing things. As I mentioned, you know, we saw Justin Smith hustling and being aware. Those are the type of plays that you see from him when he's locked in in games like Michigan State but are too few and far between, and we saw that. And so it was nice to see that at the start of the second half. It really marked a stark contrast to how Indiana played in the first half, and that's what propelled Indiana to the lead and ultimately to the victory to move on to the second round of the NIT. All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud Banner Moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel that is available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Homefield apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with the NCAA tournament and the NIT now in full swing, be sure to check out all of Homefield's officially licensed IU designs. 
and they've recently added a bunch of really fantastic new items. They've got a tri-blend bison t-shirt. We've told you a lot about the hoodie, which has obviously been great for the winter, but now with the weather hopefully starting to improve, you can get the t-shirt so that you can be uh, wear that comfortable tri-blend material with the awesome vintage IU bison logo uh, year-round. It's a big freaking deal. It is a big freaking deal, as Chat Mobber Megan said. Uh, and in addition to the bison tee, there is also a hoodie version of the Script Indiana design and a sweatshirt version of the sneakers design. Can a brother get some coupons? You absolutely can. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout to get 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right, well, it's time to move the ball, find the open man, pound the ball inside the paint. Let's get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on, hey, finally a first-round NIT victory for us to cover here on the Assembly Call. God, what a, what a terrible <laughs> sentence that was. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not one you want to have kept in the holster for a while to get ready to. That's <laughs> no, not. Yeah, that's no. depressing. Just forget, um, forget I said that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was not your best work. Um. Anyway, now it was just that the the, fr- the first half was frustrating. I mean, you're playing a team that doesn't have any size. Their big guy got in foul trouble pretty early, and then I you you know hurled up 13 threes and and really took the shots that that St. Francis wanted him to take, and and it came out a little sluggish. You know, played played well for a stretch got up nine and then gave up 27 points over the last nine minutes of the first half. It just re- looked really disengaged, seemed to kind of start to coast um, when they got up those nine points. And, you know, you certainly saw them come back out in the second half, concerted effort to really get the ball inside, drive the ball, because that was evident in the first half. Anytime they wanted to drive the ball to the basket or get the ball inside to Juwan or Duran or anybody, they could have done that whenever they wanted to. And, uh, I think they ended up with about 40 points in the paint, I believe, in the second half, or 38 or 40. Uh, I think that's 16 at halftime. Finished with 56 for the game, and um, it, it, once they did that, they were able to to really, you know, take control of the game. And St. Francis for a while only scored on three pointers in the second half. They only made uh, three two point shots in the second half for a while. They had only scored threes, maybe you know five straight baskets, but those were spread out and the, the defense got a little bit better and uh, it really just, you know, took control. So a solid game from Juwan Morgan with 28. The Wilson basketball apparently is the uh, the key to his success. And and I thought Al Durham, I'm sure we'll talk about him, played really well, was just aggressive and, and took what the defense was, uh, was giving. And I think that was something that in the first half IU got away from, allowed themselves to get, uh, you know, sucked into a little bit more of an up-tempo game than probably what they wanted to play and, and took some bad shots. And the one thing I will say in looking at the you know scores across the NIT, almost everybody who was seated highly fell in the same boat. There was a lot of close games or teams losing at halftime. I think Clemson, NC State, um, even UNC Greensboro, I think was was close early, and those were some of the teams that were you know top seated. So, not making excuses for IU by any means. It wasn't a good first half performance, but I do think as you look down, you know, the list of teams playing in this situation, there's a little bit of getting yourself, you know, working through a couple of things before you really get to a point where you're engaged in the game the way that y- you need to be. And hopefully IU's got that out of its system because whoever they play next will be a uh, will be a tough one. All right. And now we will go over to Coach. It's Sonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind after this IU victory? Well, I'm going to focus on uh, Devontae Green. I've been very critical of him most of the year. And I think uh, tonight, the way he played and the way he's played down the stretch has really been a boost for Indiana. And in the first half, that was sluggish. I thought thought he was the one who really came to play. And, and you know, I, I said this um, 
on, on Sunday when we were on the show, you, you like all these guys, but you can be critical of them at times. And, and, and so now's the time to, to be praising Devonte. Uh, his numbers, he didn't make a lot of shots. He's four for 13, had 12 points, but the six assists to one turnover or two, six assists to two turnovers is an excellent three to one ratio for a guard. And, and he's added some three point shot ability down the stretch. And that's good to see. You know, we—he's got another year. We hope that uh, he's back and and can provide some offense uh, for for the team next year. But I've been really pleased with the, his approach, and it, he hasn't been making lackadaisical passes. He's gotten beat a little bit on defense, but everyone does at, at times. I thought his attention on defense has been better lately, and so I thought this—you know—this was one of his better games. That we could all point to the you know, the game against Ohio State when he scored in the, you know, mid-20s. But uh, tonight I thought he was the, the, I'm afraid to say, calming part of IU for the first half. I I don't think I just said that. Things are so weird uh, this season. Just just say it. (laughs) And so I I thought that he kept us in the game in the first half. And then, you know, Morgan takes over and Durham takes over in the second half. We get better efforts from the other guys in the second half. And the one thing I, I will say is that what we saw tonight has been indicative of the season is a team that's got some talent, got some ability, but they're not self-starters. And, and that puts a lot of pressure on Archie and the staff to do that. When they get a big lead, they let down. Uh, when their back's against the wall in the Big Ten tournament, they don't play with uh, with ease and poise. So um, this team is who they are. and and you know, we're glad to still be playing. Let's talk about Archie a little bit because I thought overall this was a really well-coached game. And here's what I mean by that. You know, I thought Archie had to be as nervous as as everybody else, you know, all Indiana fans about how the team would come out and approach this game. And St. Francis jumped out to a 7-2 lead. He called a timeout immediately. And the guys really responded to it, you know, went on a 9-0 run, I think, right after that and kind of got control of the first half before they fell apart again. But I thought that was a real important early stretch because if Indiana doesn't have that stretch and kind of the, the five, six, seven minutes where they really played well in the first half, who knows what the deficit is. And I thought, you know, at the end of the first half, it was interesting that he got that technical. It was kind of an oddly timed technical right before halftime. And the call was kind of questionable. But what I wondered is, you know, him getting that, showing that fire before you go into halftime, does that then, you know, then lead into some some kind of fire and brimstone speech there at halftime or you know, whether he did that or whatever, he got the team turned back around for the second half, you know, whether that was him or the leadership or whoever. And I thought they had a much better approach in the second half of pounding it inside. And I have to think that was the approach coming out in the game. And Indiana did that some, but Juwan Morgan missed three really easy layups in the first half. And we just settled too much. But I thought, you know, and maybe part of it is, you know, playing down, you know, our offense tends to do a little bit better when we're playing down there by our own bench. But I just thought overall, Coach, you know, that first half was so disappointing. But I thought Archie really kind of navigated the choppy waters well. Like in the second half, he stuck with guys a lot longer. He didn't play Deron Davis, who I thought was terrible in the first half. You know, he had a shorter bench. He made sure that Zach McRoberts got out there early to get some energy. I just, I thought in kind of a tough, tricky spot, I thought he led his team in a really strong way today, like on, you know, on the court in some of those moments. I I tend to agree. I thought the early timeout um, was important as well. I think it was either 7-2 or 9-2, and, and he takes an early timeout, and then Indiana goes on a run uh, to build that lead for a while uh, until it was a 20-12 to 12 or 20-14, to 14, and then it 
it turned back around. But um, it, I think it was a sign more of frustration than anything of trying to get the team going. You've, you've had a team that's lacked a little uh, of competitive fire. They've been up and down. And you don't make the NCAA tournament. You come out at home in, in, in a game that you should be winning. You have to take a timeout early. You give up the lead late, and then you don't get a call. I think that just builds up for coaches as well as it builds up for players and fans too. And Archie just had had enough at that point of everything in basketball. <laughs> and I think he just went after, after the official and we get that way as coaches. When you, when you have to be the coach, the locker room police officer, you have to be the motivator and you have to constantly take timeouts to get your team to play well, and then go in and make halftime adjustments to get your team to play well. Uh, yeah, that's that's your job, but um, the team and the program can be a lot better if if you didn't have to do that. And I, I think that was just a sign of frustration, and and probably good for him to get it out before halftime, so he could go in measured and, and pick out the right words. And it, obviously, it, you have to say that he did um, bring out the best in his team. And then kudos to the kids too, because it's hot, tough when a coach gets mad at you at halftime and you're playing an NIT. You can say, hey, we can tank this and not play the rest of the year, and and get go on a little bit of break, but they came back and responded, and and that's that's a a good thing to see too. In a lot of ways, they followed Juwan Morgan's lead, who was you know pretty lackadaisical in the first half, not as focused as he usually is, and he was a much different player in the second half. But Andy, going back to uh, Archie, your thoughts on his performance tonight? Yeah, they had a couple couple quotes came out in the post game. They asked him what he said at halftime. He he said a lot of things that I can't say here. Uh, and did say, you know, the focus was really on getting getting the ball to Juwan, which was uh, evident early on in in the second half. And really even being able to get the ball into the paint off the drive was another one that, you know, the way that St. Francis was playing their zone, they were so far extended. There was huge gaps in the middle uh, where the guards could get in. And, and there were times, again, in the first half where they took advantage of that, but too long stretches where they just took the shots that St. Francis was willing to give them and um, didn't do that in the second half and not a surprise then that the the results turned around. So I, I do think it's a difficult situation for for a coach in that scenario where there's really an IU's position in this. There's really nothing to nothing to gain and everything to lose if you show up and you don't play well, which with this team you're always at risk of. And I found myself saying that at halftime thinking, you know, what? why would any of us have believed that this team would, you know, come out and really just drop the hammer on somebody in the first half given their inability to come out and play the way they needed to in a, a much more meaningful game against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. So uh, and I think as Coach said, just who this team is at this point, uh, and we can't be, you know, we're 30-plus games in, can't be too surprised that there are, are long lapses where the team doesn't do the things that everybody knows that they need to do in order to be successful, and and they turn that around, and, and hopefully, you know, they've kind of gotten over that initial disappointment or whatever you want to call it of, Hey, we're not playing tonight where we want, where we wish that we were. Uh, and so hopefully they got that out of their system because presumably they would play Providence in the, in the next game, uh, given that uh, Gafford is sitting out for Arkansas, which wish he'd done uh, in November or December, whenever that game was. Yeah. But uh, I would imagine they'll play Providence. He's a really tough team and, and Ed Cooley is a really good coach. So, if that is how it plays out, I don't think you're going to be able to survive the kinds of lulls that they had uh, in the in the first half. Although I also don't know that they're going to be able to to make a run against the Providence team the way like they did in the first half against St. Francis. That really I thought allowed them to relax. And Archie did a good job of reining it back in when he needed to. And I think you saw 
him give some guys an opportunity to play in the first half that didn't uh, really seize that opportunity and, and thus didn't get much of a chance to get on the court in the second half. Yeah, no, I mean, look, if we have another first half like this, we're going to get bounced in the next game. I guess, you know, coaches, you and I were talking about before we started, you know, at least now you have that good second half. You get this 17-point win. You build a little bit of confidence. Like, you're in the tournament now. You're like, like you've broken an NIT sweat. And so I feel like they'll be that, a better opponent. I'm not really sure what to expect from the crowd. You know, second NIT game, but it's a bigger opponent, you know, on a Thursday night when there's other NCAA tournament games. be interesting to see what kind of crowd there is. But, you know, the thing with the NIT is it's a bunch of flawed teams in a bracket, you know, so all of these teams are in the NIT because they have flaws. Now, the flaws are different. You know, maybe Providence plays, you know, more consistently for 40 minutes than we do, but we've probably got the better individual players than they do, you know, so, you know, whose flaws are worse? That's kind of, you just have to outlast other people's flaws. Tonight, Indiana's flaws were really apparent in the first half, coach, and, you know, in the second half, they, they put those aside and really played to their strengths, and it's amazing. Now, look. St. Francis is not good. They're horrible defensively. They're 330th on defense. So everything we did in the second half is exactly what we should do. But it is always nice to see when this team actually asserts its, you know, asserts itself on offense and does what it's good at because there's too many games where we drift through offensively and don't do that. All right, and you could also say the same thing defensively. Uh, the score at halftime, giving up what, 40 points at halftime, 40 to 34, and I know – there are some technical free throws there at the end, but that's not a great performance tonight either. No. And one of the things you worry about with approach is defense. Um, you, you could have the right approach and have a bad offensive night because the ball's just not going in or the other team's defending uh, a team in a certain fashion. Uh, but the one consistent should be game to game is your defensive effort and intensity. And, and it was there in the second half, but it wasn't there in the first half. So, yes, this team has had lulls on both ends of the floor uh, at various points of the season, and that's not going to that's not going to you know help you win a couple more games. But you know, anytime you're in a tournament, you go to the Big Ten tournament, and the teams play shaky for a while, and the teams that can shake that off earlier seem to do better. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State versus in, in Indiana in, in that game, but you'll see it you'll see it in the NCAA tournament too. You'll see the favorites, uh, the underdogs will hang around for a while until they get. You know, uh, we've always talked in tournaments, it's always good to get the favorite in the sectional, <laughs> high school sectional on the first night when they're a little tight and yeah. worried about uh, playing. But once that sweat is broken, a, a team that's locked in will play better. This team has always been up and down in the locked in department, in the mental approach department. And so you got to flip a coin. But if they're locked in, then you'll see some elimination of some of those struggles uh, tonight. If they're not, they'll continue. Yep. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 17-point victory over St. Francis, I'll point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight some of the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. You 
You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 89 to 72 victory over St. Francis in the first round of the NIT. And it is now time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. One I wanted to point out real quick, coach, and it kind of goes back to something that you said about Devonte. I was really impressed at the very end of the game when Devonte was in with some of the bench guys. He had a couple of opportunities to force a shot and didn't and really seemed committed to getting Clifton or Jake the ball and ended up getting Jake the ball in a nice position where Jake could dunk it. And I just thought, little subtle sign of maturity from Devontae Green because I feel like at times he would have forced that shot. In this case, it was like he was playing upperclassman point guard and getting some other guys involved. That was really nice to see from him. But the moment that I want to point out, and this is going to lead us into talking about this guy because I thought he really played well tonight, in, frankly, a matchup that was tailor-made for him to play well, but it was Al Durham. And it's a few minutes after the Banner moment that I mentioned earlier where Indiana really came out and you know just played so much better at the start of the second half. But at the 15-48 mark, and they did you know kind of highlight this in the broadcast, but just him hustling in transition. You know, Devontae threw a really bad alley-oop to Justin Smith on a three-on-one break. And, you know, Devontae in the open court was not good tonight. Some of his decisions, um, you know, some of his decisions when he was going to the basket, just not good. Uh, And that, you know, really had no chance for Justin to make that. We missed it. But because Al sprinted and hustled just down the court quicker than everybody else, he gets the rebound, gets the bucket. It's 48-42 Indiana. And, you know, obviously Indiana is rolling. And the reason that I picked that play out is because it's just indicative of the kind of guy that Al is. Because... He struggles at time with his confidence, you know, shooting his confidence offensively, you know, being willing to drive to the basket. Andy, we've talked about it a lot. Um, And sometimes I think he struggles with his confidence defensively, but he never struggles with his effort. Like that guy gives you 100% every time. And we saw it again here. And, you know, I think one of the reasons for optimism as you look toward next season is that a guy like Al Durham, you know, as he becomes an upperclassman and his body develops more and his confidence develops more. And he's now in his third time around going through some of this stuff and his skills are getting better because the shot is getting better. You combine that with the approach that he brings to the game, the guy's going to be a good Big Ten player. He may never be an all Big Ten player. He may always be a little inconsistent with his scoring, but that guy's going to be a good player. And tonight we saw a guy who, again, in in a matchup Taylor made for him, every time there was an opportunity for him to drive, he took it. And so, you know, I want to praise him for that hustle on that play, but also just overall his approach tonight. He was one of the guys in the second half. You know, if you couldn't get it inside to Juwan, then he was just going to take it himself. And he even did it in the first half some when other guys weren't. So I thought this was a really good game for Allen. I think this NIT, in terms of how important this can be for individuals, I think this tournament has a chance to be a real nice springboard for him into next season because I anticipate a, a really nice junior season from him. Well, I think he really benefited a lot from from Romeo not playing and being yeah. able to have the ball a little bit more. We've we've talked about you know some of that when those guys are playing together versus um, you know when when Romeo's on the bench. You know, Al, I think feels more comfortable trying to to be more aggressive offensively, and he ended up six of eight on twos, made three threes, uh, and, and did a nice job. And the way that St. Francis was was trying to defend Juwan Morgan, they would often get themselves in situations where Juwan could just seal them off and open up a driving lane, and Al took advantage of that for a few of his baskets in the second half in particular. Um, but that all w- took part from him really looking inside first, and then uh, a good job by Juwan of sealing those guys off and giving him lanes to the basket, because once he got by the first, you know, the top of the defense, he was able to really get to the basket and, and finish pretty well. Uh, once he got there, hit some nice threes, and, and I think that 
you know, that hustle play that you mentioned was indicative of the kind of plays that IU wasn't making in the first half where uh, St. Francis was the one that was really making those kinds of plays uh, in the first half and really just outworking IU in a lot of ways where they got caught flat-footed and standing around. Uh, and, and I think that was emblematic of what they were able to do and being more of the aggressor and uh, a good performance for him. And we don't know, you know, if Romeo will be able to play. Archie said after the game that if it, even if it had been an NCAA tournament game, he wouldn't have been able to go. Um, I don't know whether that's whether that's really true or not. We'll never know. But uh, I, I thought, you know, to the extent that Romeo's out, this is a huge opportunity for Al. And, and I think, again, you look at his year-over-year improvement, even his improvement within this season from beginning to end, I think he's on a good trajectory, and uh, if you're looking for storylines, guys to follow, whatever you whatever you want to call it for the uh, for the NIT, and kind of trying to make the most of what this could mean for this team, he's definitely a guy that you uh, you look at and try to figure out because there are minutes to be had next year in the backcourt uh, and on the wing, and and if he can continue you know, the the ascension that he's had to this point, uh, I think he's setting himself up well to be a, a beneficiary and a really big part of this team next year. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, Andy, about you know, him taking advantage of Romeo not being there. And by the way, I would say at this point, we have zero reason to not give Romeo the benefit of the doubt on all of the reasons that have been publicly stated about why he's not playing, his injury, all of that. So we'll just take it game by game and see. But, you know, I think Al has been hindered a little bit by kind of being a one-dimensional offensive player when Romeo's in the game because he just basically has to be a a floor spacer and three-point shooter. And he can do that. He's improved at it. But he's so much better when he can be multi-dimensional and use his driving to the basket. Now, he's nowhere near as good as as Romeo at getting to the basket and finishing. I mean, maybe 50% is good. But he's it's a strength of his, and it feels like he can play a much more natural game for himself when he's able to do that like he was today, Coach. Yeah, and, and you know, against games like this and the games against Illinois where there are more driving opportunities, even against the zone tonight, there were driving opportunities as they swung the ball around and sealed the middle, as Andy was talking about. But that's the way good offense is designed. What, what the problem with Indiana is that the lack of shooting has really hurt players besides Jawan sagging in on Jawan and then no driving lanes for Romeo. And even Al, even though he's a spacer there, there's been no room to drive because everyone is, is two, two steps off daring people to shoot. And tonight what you saw uh, against the zone when they played zone and even against man-to-man tonight was uh, it's a bad defense, so you're able to take advantage of it. And, and – what you try to do as a coach is to put players in a position to make the right decisions. I thought L was really decisive tonight. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe that comes from that confidence that you were talking about. And uh, confidence is so important uh, in, in a, a player to believe in his game, believe in, in what's going on and then make the proper decision and make the next best play regardless of result. And I thought L just was very, very decisive is is the word and and that helped him tonight and you know 22 points on 9 and 15 and hit some I thought he hit some very valuable threes when it was shaky and and got us some points that that we needed and you know 3 of 7 is acceptable from from distance um and he was shooting most of them on the baseline where they were more like the regular three point line than the extended three point line too um but yeah L, L's going to be uh, a player for the next two years that we're all going to be very happy i'd like to say something too about Devonte's body language which you mentioned it before you got into l i thought his body language was fantastic tonight and that's been a problem too i saw him give a very nice slap of the hands when he was coming out uh, of the game and there are times when he was um 
pulled from a game for whatever reason that it was sulky and, and body language. And I think all of that correlates to him playing better. I know you, you pointed out on, on in the open court, he, he struggled tonight, but I thought on the half court, his, his passing into the post and sometimes you got to turn players loose. I, I wonder sometimes if we're too tight offensively afraid to make a mistake, uh, you know, and, and so Devontae's one of those that if he just doesn't try to hit the home run and maybe goes for a double or maybe a triple and just stops <laughs> at third base uh, and is a little less flashy, he'd be solid. But I thought his body language was part of the reason you may have seen that at the end of the game as well. So let's talk about numbers, uh, you know, pick out a few stats here. I think let's talk about defense because, you know, Indiana gives up 1.014 points per possession. The St. Francis team is talented offensively. You know, one of the things I talked about on Banner Monday is that, you know, if they were going to make this a little more interesting than it needed to be, it was probably going to be because they made a bunch of threes because they have some guys who can really get hot from three. You know, you saw King really go off in the first half. You know, part of that was really good shot making by him. Part of it was lackadaisical on-ball defense by Rob Finnessy and Devontae Green, especially given what we saw from them in person at Michigan State. I mean, that was on a completely different level. Now, I thought in the second half that got better. But overall, Andy, this is still – this is the third straight substandard game defensively for Indiana. You know, because when they really turn things around, and especially in the, you know, the Wisconsin game and in the Michigan State game, the defense, especially the perimeter defense, was just on point, you know, almost all game. And from the Illinois game through the Rutgers game, you know, against Ohio State and here tonight, I guess, really the fourth straight, you know, substandard defensive game, you know, Archie's going to be happy with the 17 point win and how they bounce back. But I really feel like he's going to watch this defensive performance and just be like, good Lord, guys, like we're supposed to be building a culture of defense here. And I'm happy we scored 89 points. But, you know, it was leaky. There was poor communication, poor rotations. And again, it got better in the second half. So you hope they can build on that. But I think a defensive performance like this, they probably get bounced in the second round. They've really got to try to get back to playing the tight, connected defense they were playing when they got the season turned around. Yeah, there were a couple stretches. I mean, really at the beginning, the, you know, the first few possessions of the game were bad. Then they went through a stretch where they gave up, you know, six points over the course of uh, 14 possessions, which is pretty good. Then they just were horrendous at the end of the first half. Part of that aided a little bit by the free throws. But again, I think they gave up 27 points in the last nine minutes of the first half after having given up, you know, 13, I think, uh, in, in the first 11. And then they came out again in the second half and did really well to start, uh, gave up one basket over the first eight possessions. And then I think 18 points through the first 25 possessions, which you would take. Uh, most of those were three pointers. I think they had five threes during that stretch, a, a two point layup uh, early, and then a free throw mixed in. So they did well in those stretches. And then I think at that point they had you know gotten ahead by enough, gave up a few uh, few baskets in a row. So it really ebbed and flowed. It, it felt like over the course of the game where there were stretches where they played relatively well. And, and I thought in the first half, while St. Francis did make some tough shots, they got some putbacks just on hustle plays and really chasing down offensive rebounds. Some of that is long rebounds for the number of three-pointers that they were taking, but uh, there were, were also times when IU didn't really do an effective job of boxing out, which against a team that has so little size to be able to give up, you know, those are those are points you wouldn't expect to give up. And I think that's probably where uh, th his frustration would be the most. Uh, I thought there were times I struggled to, to really contain dribblers, uh, but there are other times that they, they really did well at that. So it just was... I thought the defense was a little bit like the game where it felt like if they wanted to flip the switch, they could. Uh, and they did it in spurts, just not consistently enough. And, and that 
you know, lengthy defensive laps toward the end of the first half is really uh, what made it a close game and turned a, a nine-point lead into a six-point deficit at halftime. That's a 15-point swing in the last nine minutes of the half. That's uh, it, it, That doesn't happen unless you're playing pretty poorly on the defensive end. Yeah, and look, you know, four blocks, four steals. When Indiana's playing well defensively, those numbers are higher. And, yeah, you know, that's just kind of a sign of, you know, your non-active eyes, non-active feet and hands when, you know, and, and that's just – not good for Indiana. Obviously, the free well, throw the, shooting. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, the, just one other thing on defense. I mean, you got 14 points off turnovers in the second half because they did a lot better job of forcing turnovers. Yeah. And, you know, maybe fewer of those were, were of the live ball variety. But, uh, you know, they did force seven, turn, you know, turn seven turnovers into 14 points in the second half. I thought they were just more intense there versus I, I don't, they had hardly any points off turnovers in the first half. So just to kind of underscore that defensive effort when it was there was productive and was good. Uh, it just wasn't there as long as it will need to be against better teams. Yeah, and the free throw even the free throw, even the free throw defense was was down today. We see there we go. We gave up eighty three point three percent free throw. So yeah, got to get back to that. <clears throat> um, Indiana thirteen of twenty three from the free throw line. I think, and a lot of those were early. And think Indiana, they were. I know they were three for their first nine. I don't know how bad it got after that, but just not a good free throw shooting night. And you know, it's nice to see the turnovers only at seven. This again, you're playing a defense that's not very good at forcing turnovers. You know, it would have been nice to take care of the ball as well as they did tonight against Ohio State because some of those were just piss poor turnovers they had against Ohio State really cost them. Uh, 18 assists, and you know, coach, you mentioned the six from Devontae Green. Rob Finnessy added four between those two guys, 10 assists, three turnovers. You can win basketball games when the two guys that are handling the ball for you are doing that. So that was uh, that was impressive. And then you know, here's a number that kind of jumps out to me, guys, which is, you know, Indiana makes six three-pointers. It's all Al Durham and Devontae Green. You know, they're combined uh, six for 15. The rest of the guys go 0 for 6. Good that Jawan Morgan didn't take any. This is the first time in a while that he hasn't. He really, you know, went inside. Justin Smith only took one. Um, you know, and again, I, I continue to believe part of the reason why Indiana's offense you know, doesn't necessarily have to just fall through the floor next year without Romeo and Juwan, which a lot of people think is because you're going to have better shooters taking a higher percentage of your three-pointers. And tonight, the percentage wasn't very good, you know, because, you know, Demisey couldn't make one and Fitzner miss and all that stuff. But having a higher concentration of your three-point shooting in the hands of Devontae and Al is a much better formula for actually using the three-point line efficiently, which Indiana hasn't done this year. Well, you look at the the two point shooting percentage in the second half was seventy six percent. They're nineteen to twenty five on twos in the in the second half. So that tells you all you need to know about that. And I, I was actually surprised that they took eight in the second half. I got a feeling a number of those came late if we look back at it. Uh, but I, I, that was really, in addition to the defense that we touched on, the, the kind of shot mix, shot selection, whatever you want to call it, in the first half was was really poor. I think thirteen of the thirty four shots in the first half were from three point range. Just Again, against a team without a lot of size and against a team that um, you felt like you'd get the ball inside whenever you wanted to settle uh, for, for 13 three-pointers in the first half was just not what this team needed to do, and they rectified that in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you got Allen, uh, Allen Devante shooting 40% from three and everybody else shooting zero. So that's uh, you know somewhat telling, but I thought they the shot selection was dramatically better in the second half, and that, that showed by shooting, you know, 78% or whatever, 76%, whatever it was in the second half on twos. Uh, any other numbers, guys? Coach, any other numbers that jumped out to you? As bad as the defense was, uh, we held St. Francis to 37% shooting on the night, and they were you know, 38% from three, and they're capable of doing a lot of damage from three. And 
you know, so, you know, the, th- the concerning stat is getting them to the foul line 18 times and giving up 12 offensive rebounds. So stats don't always tell all of the truth. Um, it was not a great defensive performance, especially in the first half, uh, a lot better in the first 10 to 11 minutes. Um, but, you know, when this team decides to play, that, that's just been the biggest thing. When this team comes to play, they can beat Wisconsin. They can beat Michigan State on the road you know, without our best player. And, and it's just um, it's just unbelievable uh, the ups and downs um, uh, of the approach uh, with this ball club. And, and again, I, there's nothing they're doing intentionally necessarily. But, man, when, this team's pretty fun to watch when, when they can play as well as they possibly can play. and. They just haven't been able to do it for close to 40 minutes. It's you know, been a 20, 24-minute ball club, and uh, that, that's, um, that showed up a little bit tonight, and luckily the opponent was such that that didn't matter. A couple other things I noticed stat-wise. Uh, the rebounding in the first half was was pretty poor. IU almost doubled up St. Francis on the glass in the second half, 23-12, to 12, so obviously there weren't a lot of uh, offensive rebounds to go around for IU because they shot so well, and uh, that that explains part of that when you look at it as a you know percentage of misses and things like that. But uh, again, I thought that was indicative of better effort level. And uh, you know, bench points. IU only had eight. Uh, uh, you know, shorter rotation uh, in some ways with Romeo out, but didn't get a, a whole bunch off the bench. Um, guard rebounding though was was really good. You had uh, Finnessy had eight, Devonse had five, uh, Al had a couple. So that's you know fifteen rebounds from your your three starting guards. So. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty impressive for those guys. But you had uh, all five starters with at least nine points, and nobody else had more than two. So uh, a balanced effort at the top, but not a whole lot once you got down uh, past the starters. Yep. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over St. Francis. We'll talk a little bit more about the bench. Archie had some interesting comments about a guy off that bench who didn't play much in the second half. We'll talk about that. we got to talk some more about Justin Smith uh, and a little more about Juwan Morgan as well. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. We're getting closer to 7,000. So make sure you get on that. It'll make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Breaking down Indiana's victory over St. Francis. And guys, you know, Andy, you talked about how the bench really didn't contribute tonight. And, you know, I really thought this was a game where the bench would contribute because I thought Deron Davis would be able to come in and just dominate. You know, I figured he would, you know, against a team that didn't have much beef down low, that's so poor at defending twos, I thought he would just have a big game. And he came out and really didn't do much at all in the first half. You know, he had that little fadeaway shot you know, that there was just no excuse for. And uh, Seth Tower, intern, tweeted, you know, Miller said Deron Davis didn't look very good in the first half and hadn't looked himself the last few days. He didn't see the court in the second half, partially because of that and partially because of Juwan Morgan's dominance. No, I don't know the full context of that. I don't know if he's suggesting that Deron was, like, hurt or not feeling well. But he definitely didn't look good in the first half for whatever reason. And so on the one hand, you know, again, this kind of goes to what we talked about earlier with Archie Miller. Like, I just, I thought he coached a good game. Like, he called a good game. He did what he needed to do at halftime. I thought he shortened the bench, you know, in the second half during the critical juncture. And that was good. I didn't think Duran deserved to play a whole lot in the second half, and he didn't. 
it's also, you know, it's a little bit disappointing because Duran's been such a spark off the bench and has been such a kind of rock of maturity, uh, I feel like, over the last maybe month of the season for the most part. And so to see him come out like that tonight, where you would hope that your upperclassmen set the tone, that's a little bit disappointing. Um, so, you know, hopefully, and I think he's going to be much more important in future games. Indiana didn't need him to win this game tonight, Andy, but, you know, they're going to need him if they're going to keep going on in the NIT. So hopefully whatever it is, he gets passed quickly and is able to get back to being the Duran that we know and love. Yeah, I I mean, I he certainly didn't set the world on fire in the first half. I didn't think he was terrible. Um, you know, had a nice basket, you know, cutting cutting to the rim. You know, certainly a fallaway jump shot against the size that St. Francis had is not the shot that you need there. He was just uh, flat, and a lot of the guys yeah. were flat, but yeah. I I I'd be I would have been somewhat interested to see with everybody else picking it up a little bit in the second half, does he do the same thing? But he he definitely was the same comments I'd make about him in the first half are probably the same ones I'd make about nearly everybody else. So I don't know that that's, you know, what, what he did in the first half was necessarily unique to him. Uh, I, I also don't think it was a, a great matchup in that sense, a team with or not a lot of size. And if you, if you're not going to just pound the ball inside to him, which they did not do and which IU did not do in the first half, it, it, he's not doing you a whole lot by being out there because he's going to struggle a little bit defensively with, uh, you know, some of the guys that uh, that he was having to guard, e- even though they're not the most skilled, just in terms of, you know, the type of player and the, and the you know, the size of those players. So it, it, I agree with you. I think it'll be more important to see what he can bring later on. I, I think it'd be one thing if he just said he didn't look right in the first half, but I think the hadn't looked right in, in practice the last couple of days. Uh, comment is a little bit telling uh, where he's really been up and down just in terms of his his health over the course of the year. And and his career, quite frankly, and and while maybe it seemed like he had turned the corner there, you know, down the stretch, perhaps that workload caught up to him a little bit. So I don't think a huge reason for concern. I, I just thought a lot of the guys, while there was opportunity to be had coming in off the bench, just didn't really seem ready to seize it. I thought Fitzner didn't play very well in the first half, played a lot better in the second uh, when he was in. I thought Demise really looked unprepared uh, when he was in in the first half, just kind of came in and quickly took a three-pointer from the top of the key didn't really get in the flow of the game and, and I didn't think he played uh, particularly well. And it's a, you know, similar to what we talked about with Al, like this is a good opportunity for Demisi to be able to get out and play uh, some minutes in this situation, particularly with Romeo out. Uh, and, and it just didn't seem like he was, he was ready to step in and do that. And as a result, he didn't get in uh, until later in the second half. Uh, McRoberts was the first guy off the bench in both halves, uh, had a good plus minus over the course of the game. Kind of surprisingly, I think it was one of the better ones on the team. Uh, and had a few moments and, you know, hustle plays and things like that. But you can still see that he's just defensive mobility uh, from that standpoint, still really struggling with, I assume, the back injury uh, and some of the things that have plagued him over the course of the year. Coach, it was kind of an interesting night for Justin Smith. <clears throat> Andy, you texted me in the first half, you know, something about how he was just kind of coasting through the game. And it certainly felt like that. What's interesting is that, you know, I thought he he looked better to me in the second half. Like he looked more engaged as the entire team did. Uh, His stats were actually better in the first half. He had six of his points in the first half, five rebounds, uh, you know, had a couple of assists. So he actually acquired more numbers in the first half, but I thought his play overall was better um, in the second half. And I liked, I liked his approach coach in terms of, you know, not settling for three pointers, getting back to doing Justin Smith things, which is getting offensive rebounds and running the floor hard in transition. And there were opportunities for him to do that. And I think at times he gets maybe frustrated in games when he doesn't see those opportunities. 
but he's I mean he's such a good finisher in transition. So it's it's nice to see him do that. And I hope, you know, if he can kind of bottle that approach, you know, we know he's such an X factor for this team. They're not going to make a deep run in the NIT without him really being the engaged guy that we saw against, you know, Michigan State and in some of those games. So I, you know, his numbers were good tonight. It was at 10 points, nine boards. Um, but I thought even more than the numbers in the second half, his approach was just better. His approach in the first half was really poor. And his approach in the second half was a lot better. Got some offensive rebounds that were key. Uh, got out in transition. So it was good to see him bounce back. And it was indicative of the entire ball club a little bit. Um, but here's here's the thing. And, and, and I go back to liking guys, but not liking their play. Um, you can't be a 50, 50 guy. And when you play 28 minutes, 14 of them are, are a bad approach and 14 when you're in the big 10, uh, you cannot be a, a four or, or a power forward and not be able to shoot the basketball. Those things are going to have to be corrected. And if they do, Justin's got the athletic ability to, and the ability to guard to be a really important player going forward, not only in the NIT, but then in future years. But if you're a 50-50 guy where it's one game on, one game off, or one half on and one half on, and you're, you, you allow the defense to do something totally different because uh, of the inability to put the ball in the basket, um, that, that, that's going to continue to be a struggle for that young man. And, and we hope that he gets in the gym in, in the summer and develops a, at least a little bit of that. Uh, but, um, yeah, he, he is some – you know, again, it's a body language thing. And I think if you've been around athletics long enough, you can tell good body language from bad body language. And it just it's frustrating as a coach and as a fan to see someone have a bad approach and bad body language for a half and then need to have the coach get on people at halftime to come out and play a little bit better as a sophomore in college. That that's That's got to be fixed in order for him to um, – to maximize his obvious uh, physical traits. And um, and I know I've had people texting me the same thing about what's going on with him in the first half. And, you know, it's a, it's a common theme now. And, and um, again, it doesn't take anything away from him as a person, but he's got to get better at those areas and have more, uh, again, full games, not just halves. You know, Andy, a guy whose first half, second half splits really do, you know, kind of tell the story and match what we saw. Rob Finnessy, who is such an important tone setter for this team. So it is no surprise that he really struggled in the first half and in the end, he did two points, one of six from the field, only had one assist. Uh, in the second half, was just much more productive, much more efficient uh, as he scores seven points, three of three from the field, uh, had six rebounds, three assists, was just all over the place. And was, you know, kind of extending his defense, playing some of the defense that we had seen from him. And look, I mean, that's, you know, those two guys right there, Justin Smith and Rob Finnessy, were so important in the stretch when Indiana turned it around. And then you think back to that Ohio State game, you know, who were the guys that just could not get going in that game? Justin Smith and Rob Finnessy. They make this team so much different, you know, and obviously they are young guys. They're still kind of feeling their way in college basketball. You know, this is a matchup that Rob really should have dominated, and he came out in the first half and I thought was a little bit passive. But then in the second half, you know, everybody kind of that approach that Jawan Morgan really led with, it became contagious. And I thought Rob especially played a lot better. And when he plays like that, he just adds a dimension that Indiana doesn't have without that and that they desperately need. And, you know, again, as he goes from a freshman to becoming a sophomore, is going to become so important for Indiana to lean on he has to be more consistent. And these last two games, 
you know, you've kind of seen the ups and downs with him that you'll sometimes see from freshman point guards. But as he gets more consistent, we all know he's going to become a really good player. Yeah, I was surprised to look back at the stats and see that he shot the ball six times in the first half. He took the one three, which was pretty early, and and you know all five of the others, I feel like were pretty close to the basket. Just just couldn't finish. And um, but he was he was definitely more aggressive defensively. Thought really pushed the ball and was more. Uh, I I guess was smarter about the drives that he did take, not just because he you know made those shots, but there was the one where you know it's him in the open floor and he just kind of blew by everybody uh, and and got to the rim and finished there. I, it just he seemed more into the game at that point, and um, you know I don't know what what the what the issue would have been with him in the first half, but he only played the 13 minutes, and I think Archie he was the first guy to come out of the game. Don't know whether he saw something with him early that he didn't really like, and uh, but glad he could turn it around and play well in the second half because you know six rebounds in the half, three assists, as you said, in addition to the seven points was was really good, and just see more in control of the offense and. Uh, I, I do think it's a little bit of an adjustment trying to figure out as you watch some of these guys, uh, you know, with Romeo not in there, trying to figure out how, you know, these three guys in the backcourt haven't been together uh, on the on the court together a lot of the time. And so I don't know if that was a case where Rob's trying to kind of feel out what, you know, he's doing versus what Devontae's doing in that scenario or, or something like that. But he, he definitely played much better uh, in the second half. And, and again, he's a guy that should benefit a lot from getting a couple extra games and these extra practices, especially given the time that he missed earlier in the season. So good to see him take advantage of that in the second half. By the way, um, good point made chat mob coach. I want to get your thoughts on this from uh, Patrick Stevens says Justin Smith would excel if we had a team that could spread defenses. He's an effective cutter and can crash the boards. That's his bread and butter. Also a solid defender. And, you know, there's a good point there. I mean, defenses have been so bogged down on him. A lot of his open opportunities have come with him getting the ball 15 to 20 feet from the basket and space between him and the defender. And that's not a good place for him to be because it leads to him doing the two things he struggles with in the half court, which is taking jump shots and dribbling. When there's space and he can cut, when he can get in transition, when he can get those offensive rebounds, think about why he was so effective in those Michigan, you know, in the Michigan State games. Well, you know, when Indiana's making threes and then the whole team is crashing the boards, he seems much more in the flow of the game. So I think that's a really good point. And if Indiana, again, can use the three-point line more efficiently next year, which I think we will, because just the character of the offense, the personality of the offense will change with the personnel that we have, I can see a path to where he can be more effective in that kind of a, an offense with, with, that, with what they're going to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think offense is designed to be spaced out, and teams have not allowed that to happen because of our lack of shooting uh, at many spots. Uh, you know, Romeo's 27%, and Justin's, uh, you know, only hit a few shots. And so the whole defense is compacted even more. And, and so, yes, the thing I would say, I, I obviously, if there were shooters, there's more space to drive. Look what Illinois did when they came out and pressured Indiana and got into denial passing lanes. They were late to help, and we were able to slice and dice that uh, for a lot of points. Um, tonight's defense was not there. As you rotated the ball, we were able to drive. We were able to get the ball inside. The defense allowed itself to get spaced, those two, just by uh, you know strategy. And that helped Indiana's offense to some of their higher offensive points. That'll happen when we put shooters around, and Justin will be better when there's shooters around. The point I'll make about Justin, though, is college basketball – you usually have four shooters on the floor and a, and a mobile five who could sometimes also hit. And as you watch the NIT and the NCAA, the game is about putting the ball in the basket and then being able to drive. And I, I think, you know, he's got to develop a threat too, 
Um, but yes, if we added two or three shooters, uh, his game would, would be elevated. I agree. I agree with that comment. Andy, anything on that or any other storylines? Obviously, we're, we're going to talk Juwan and game balls because, you know, spoiler alert, Juwan's getting the game ball, I think, tonight. Um, any, anything else you want to hit here before we go to that? No, I don't, I don't really I don't really think there's too much else. I thought Justin had, you know, talking about him, I thought some of the offensive rebounds he had in the second half were just good effort plays and being in the right spot and, and the kinds of plays that he can really make when he's playing well. Yep. I'd like to add a little bit. It takes point guards. We, we've been blessed with Finnessy this year. But think how good he's going to be as a junior. Look at the the guards up in Michigan, Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, Xavier Simpson was hailed when he came in and struggled a little bit early, had a good, okay freshman year, but now he's fantastic. Uh, Cassius Winston, the same thing, was behind a couple guards at Michigan State, and Izzo was mad at him. And then all of a sudden now everyone's all we're, I think we got that kind of guy uh, hopefully next year, but even, you know, junior and senior year that – and you got to allow a, a young man. When we had the off-season talk, we said, Finnessy's going to come in and be a backup point guard. He's going to play well at times. He's not really been allowed or put in a position to have freshman struggles. Uh, and so I, I think you see that, like, in the first half is is him finding the new guys, and that was a little bit of struggle. Because uh, we can't the overcome them. I mean, we lose yeah, if he struggles. We need, he is so <laughs> yeah. vital. Um, and then the other thing with, with him is that he had a month off, and that – you know, usually you have six, seven months in season to develop. He had a month off and then had to spend another month getting back into condition, which is an abnormal for development. Uh, so so for me, there's a little more patience with with the up and down play recently of a fantasy uh, than someone who hasn't gone through that and, and is in year two. That's a great point. I mean, sometimes you get the really elite point guards that can come in and, and be really solid from day one. But, you know, Yogi started from day one, but he didn't really come into his own till his junior year. I mean, he struggled to, as a freshman. That sophomore year was a disaster and his role was, you know, a lot different. And then he felt more comfortable as a junior. Think about Tom Coverdale, who barely got off the bench as a freshman, you know, and was able to kind of learn through those years and Things obviously changed in the program. Uh, you know, <laughs> he got more of an opportunity. But yeah, you do have to be patient with point guards. And that's a good point, Coach, because it's easy to forget that sometimes when we get so excited about him and want him to be an All-Big Ten player right now. And when he plays like that, we win. But you're going to go through some ups and downs. I mean, as, I, you know, as we've been saying, we have relied so much this year on a backcourt that has included two freshmen and a sophomore. I mean, unless they're all five-star guys, you're just going to be inconsistent. And even if they are, you're probably going to be inconsistent. You know, you got to get old and stay old, especially in the front court in this, or especially in the back court in this game. And Indiana's on that path. It feels like it's taken a while to get there, but we are at least on that path. All right, coming up in our final segment, we're going to hand out our game ball, spend some time talking about Juwan Morgan. Uh, then we will hit some other storylines we haven't hit yet. There's kind of a surprising result happening right now in that Arkansas Providence game. Talk about that in last call. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's victory over St. Francis. Brian Phillips could not be here. Uh, he's got a work trip uh, this week, but he did text uh, us some thoughts. So I do just want to give you Ryan's thoughts here on this game because 
no episode of the assembly call is complete without Ryan's thoughts. And it's much better to do this now because he's just reading off some text messages. You're not handing him the microphone and then six minutes later getting a chance to respond. Uh, Ryan says, solid win. Happy with it. From what I could watch on the plane once they woke up, it was easy. A lot of missed layups early likely means a lack of focus egged on by a lack of atmosphere. Once they got the blood going at the half, it was fine. Uh, you know, I'm sure Ryan was disappointed in the start time. You know, these odd seven o'clock Eastern start times, you know, probably really affected both teams. Uh, so anyway, those are yep, just one of the teams. Only one. <laughs> come on, dude. No, you come on. Okay. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's hit our game ball. Um, I'll, I'll, <clears throat> I'll go first. I'm going to give it to Juwan Morgan. Um, and I think it's, to me, it's a pretty obvious choice in this case. I mean, his overall numbers speak for themselves, 28 points, uh, eight rebounds. He set the tone early in the second half with Indiana down six. You know, he was 10 of 13 from the field. And frankly, the three that he missed, he should have made all of them. Like it was probably as lackadaisical and kind of carefree as we've ever seen from Juwan in that first half. And that's why he missed those three shots. You know, you give those shots back and he does what he usually does with a Wilson ball, which is get over 30 points. And he's, you know, perfect from the field. So I thought in this game, you know, Indiana ebbed and flowed as Juwan ebbed and flowed. And he didn't play very well in the first half. He was outstanding in the second half. And that really led to, to Indiana's comeback. So I think you can make some arguments for honorable mention and, you know, feel free to do that, guys. But I think Juwan is the pretty clear uh, game ball recipient tonight. Uh, and I will throw in an honorable mention to Archie Miller for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, because I thought he called a good game. Uh, Andy, your uh, your game ball. Yeah, I'll go with Juwan as well. Uh, as you said, you know, sit back and, you know, 21 points in the second half. I think had had both IU made a concerted effort to get him the ball in the first half and had he uh, taken better advantage of the opportunities he had around the basket. I mean, he could have pushed for 40. I mean, I think anytime they wanted to get him the ball, he could have got it and scored uh, given the given the competition and, and where he was able to typically set up from a positional standpoint. So I, I thought really... Uh, while everybody went into the locker room with a pretty bad taste in their mouth, I thought he was uh, really the catalyst when they came out of the locker room. They made a point to get him the ball. They did. He responded and uh, and played well once he got it. So I thought that was uh, that was really important. Al will be the guy that I would mention as the uh, honorable mention career high, 22 points, and and really again going back to what we talked about, I thought he he did a great job taking advantage of the additional shots and the additional possessions that he ended up being able to use with Romeo out and uh, and and dependent upon. You know, how quickly or, or if Romeo is able to come back, uh, I think you're going to see more of that from Al because the, the backcourt already didn't have a ton of depth. And uh, and without Romeo, that gets a little bit uh, more shallow, but a good opportunity for Al to, to really you know keep the momentum going that he had over the course of the year and uh, as we head into what will be his junior season. Coach, game ball. I think I have to go, you know, with Morgan as well. Eight of 11 from the free throw is is really nice to see from Jawan and is going to be much needed as, as teams will be following him here in the next couple of games. Uh, the honorable mention, uh, L has to be up there. And, and again, I know um, maybe I'm just correcting my past, but uh, really pleased with Devontae's approach. Um, he's never going to be perfect. Um, he's going to give up drives and he's going to be, be sloppy on alley-oop passes and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think he was aggressive and he was, he was into the game for, the right reasons. And, and I know I've caught some grief on Twitter about, oh, it's an old man's comment about playing for Indiana and it's not what kids do this day. But I still hold out hope for the fact that kids want to come to a school and play for a school and win for a school 
and then their development is part of that as well. And I, I don't apologize for, for wanting that. And, and Devante seems to have had a conversation with Archie or at least had to listen to Archie or something five or six games ago. And, and the young man has really done a nice job. And, you know, if you're going to be a bald coach in some basement and near Lafayette complaining about him for 25 games, you might as well find a way to really thank him uh, for, for showing up here the last five or six and hope that that is a lesson learned and, and continued. So honorable mention to Devante for, for, for just being, uh, what, what he can be. And, and I just wanted to mention that again, um, because I think that's such a vital part of the wins. Yeah. Lately. He didn't, you know, he didn't shoot well tonight. You know, he was four of 13, no. three of eight from downtown, but he played well, you know, there's that difference. Yeah. And, in some ways, and this I don't you know this may be kind of a crazy comment. In some ways, he played better tonight than he did against Ohio State. Like, remove the shooting; the shooting was unreal. So overall, you would take that performance, but some of the turnovers were bad. Some of the defense was bad. So, you know, you scoring is such an you know you got to take the scoring. You would take the production, but just in terms of play and approach, I think you could make the argument that it was actually better tonight. He just didn't make the shots that he did against Ohio State. So. You know, and that's, you know, that, that and that's a thing with him. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get more consistent with that. Um, so Arkansas is up by 11 at the half over Providence, which is interesting. The Gaffordless Razorbacks. Do you guys have a preference? Would you rather play Arkansas without Gafford? And obviously when most people listen to this, we'll know the result of it. But, I mean, yeah. this is usually when we preview. Do you have anything to say about either one of those opponents? Is he sitting Ed? out because of the NBA or is he yeah, hurt? Yeah, or? No, it's M- yeah. NBA. Yeah, I, okay. I would I would probably rather play them. I mean, they had a few other, you know, good young guys uh, there as well. But I, I think that feels like a I, I just think Ed Cooley's a really good coach at Providence and got some you know tough guys uh, typically. And, they, and they've been up and down, but have shown some ability to 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 really come out and play well in some of the Big East games they had. They were not really on the bubble. They were kind of there for a little while. Uh, certainly more so than I ever felt that that Arkansas was, who had a couple good wins, but uh, probably not helping Providence. They're shooting a cool 0 for 11 from three-point range in the first half of that game. Here's the other thing, too. Um, when, when you have a star like that that's out, um, you can rally the troops, and sometimes the first game is the best time to rally the troops, and then all of a sudden the second game, you miss them a little bit more and, and, and can be taken advantage of, especially if you have two road games in a row. Um, in, in that situation and and hopefully Romeo is, is able to come back from his injury um, and play maybe not if it's a two-day turnaround Thursday uh, Friday would be a better game time for that to happen uh, and maybe we've seen the last of Romeo uh, as well if it's a lingering uh, situation and and we, we just got to go with that right now but um, yeah I think uh, I'd rather play Arkansas so schedule wise, you know, we don't know when this game will be played because the second round NIT games can be anywhere from March 21st through the 25th, I think. So there's a wide range, but it did kind of slip on the broadcast that Indiana would play Thursday night. So obviously that's when we normally do assembly call radio. So we would just the post game show would be our show for that night. If they play at a different time, then we'll do assembly call radio Thursday night and then the post game show whenever it happens. 
interesting to see what kind of live listenership there is when there's also NCAA tournament games going on. But our audience is awesome. We've got a lot of people watching live right now. And so we anticipate that a lot of you would be here with us because you're great. Uh, also, there's a nice little side conversation in the chat mob, as always happens late in these shows, uh, about what airline Ryan is going on. And they named an airline called Ryan Air and talked about how it's a terrible airline and it only serves Lucky Charms. And there's a great quote from Aaron, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, who says, the real Ryan is a good guy, but very punchable and teasable. Punchable and teasable are those adjectives that you would say are accurate adjectives for to describe <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Feels like a trap. It's really, completely uh... ridiculous. <laughs> I do like to give him a hard time. I, I, I think anything anybody obviously knows that. We we definitely gave him a hard time when we were all together. It, so uh, uh, the teasable part, for sure. I don't know that I've ever wanted to punch him. Uh, at least not when we were hanging out in person. Maybe sometimes on the on show. The show I, I would, but then I, I would end up punching my computer. So yeah, but in done. person, in person, I don't know that I've ever, I've ever felt that. But, no, uh, not, not in person, not in person. No, no. he's, he's great. Uh, and he'll be back next week. So if there's shows next week, he'll be back, but off doing some work stuff. Gentlemen, any other Anything else you want to discuss? Uh, do you guys have any updates on how you where you're now ranked in the bracket matrix after the results are in? Has that been updated yet? Or are we still awaiting? Uh, I think it's not till tomorrow, I want to say. I think he said it'd be updated on Wednesday. We're knocked off the pedestal. You guys aren't going to be number one anymore? You got to get <laughs> no, back? No, no we're going to so are you down, down the ranking? Are you going to go in and do a little Bobby Knight speech for your guys? Tell them, you know, you will not put me in that position again. I had to sit around in twentieth place in this freaking league. <laughs> no, you know the guys. The if you're guys not going to seed correctly, yeah, that, that's what it was. We had sixty-seven to sixty-eight. We just made more uh, one seed line choices than correct choices this year. We're we are like. Seven off of our average. We averaged about 44 correct in the first three years. We only had 37 correct. And we made two big decisions late um, involving six teams. I mean, late, like Thursday night when we had our big meeting. And all six of those missed by one seed. If we'd have left them alone, we would have had 12 more points and been close to the 350 mark where we had been. So when I talked to the kids, they were all shocked and hurt and embarrassed and uh, where we ended up. And I said, gentlemen, we were we were just – a couple of decisions flipping a coin from being back to where we were. So the process was great. The support is great. Our Twitter followers are great. Um, thank you, Jared, for the pizza uh, on on Sunday. And uh, Andy has always been great as well. So, yeah, we're going to be knocked off the pedestal um, a little bit. And maybe that's good for us uh, to, be, to get be hungry back. again. To be hungry again. <laughs> hungry again. You... There's a lot of people that do a lot of good stuff and a lot of great bracketologists. There's a huge interest now. So, and a lot more information and, and um, you know, what got us uh, the recognition, we stuck to our criteria and the committee changed a little bit too. They, yeah. they went away from just raw wins a little bit to some other things. And so we learn and, and move on uh, from here. Libby Torfey said in the chat, uh, Fish said in his sign-off, it could be either Thursday or Friday. So we will just await word on when, uh, when the next game is. Andy, anything else that you want to uh, say before we get to last call? No, nah, I, I don't think so. I, I'm proud that we've gotten this much out of an NIT game, so good for us. Yes, very, very good for us. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, 
Visit HoosierProud.com on both sites. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys, time for last call. Final thoughts, Andy. Why don't you go first? We talked about this on uh, on Sunday evening and just about this game in particular probably wouldn't tell us a whole lot about this team's mindset going in just because of what the opponent was. I think that largely, you know, proved to be true. The second half certainly showed that when IU really asserted itself, they could score almost whenever they wanted. And uh, I think what we saw from this team was pretty reflective of what we've seen from them over the course of the season. And uh, so, you know, in, in that regard, I don't know that we learned a whole lot about this team, which is, probably relatively telling given that it was game 34 or whatever, whatever it was. Um, so, but, but a solid win, a good, uh, you know, good, good to see Juwan really take charge in the second half. And, um, you know, as much as anything, excited to see uh, Al Durham play so well, excited to see that second half from Rob Finnessy, uh, Devontae playing a good game. Again, I think for most people, this is, while there's a little bit of, Hey, let's enjoy watching this team play a little bit more. Uh, there's also a pretty big eye on the future and on next season as to what that's going to look like because, as you've talked about, there the the kind of goodwill and positive momentum that was was evident at this at this time or close to this time uh, last season isn't really there now given how the season's played out and those kinds of things. So uh, for me, it's as important as anything to look at things that might be telling for what will happen next year. Uh, and I thought in in tonight's game there were some positive things in that regard. So uh, that's a good thing, and and hopefully this team got some of the initial disappointment and got over the hump uh, of that and can, uh, and can just play. I think Duran said something after the game where, you know, they're, you know, really want to be able to win it and, and, and wants to know that everybody's, you know, kind of going at it from that mindset. So hopefully that's true. And uh, we'll see whenever the next game is, uh, you know, how they're able to, you know, you know, build on this game. And again, kind of hopefully get past some of the initial disappointment and just be able to come out and play coach. I'm going to go away from the X and O's a little bit. And, and Indiana basketball is so special, and there's an opportunity for people to go see the game tonight. And and Martha the Mop Lady Twitter handle and whoever's behind that was making some arrangements for people to donate tickets for people who, who can't afford or, or haven't been able to go. And I think I, I at the last track there was a 17 or 18 people that, maybe couldn't buy a ticket or two and, and take a youngster. To me, that is part of Indiana basketball. It's probably part of a lot of uh, programs across the country. That's the good side. We get wrapped up so much in, in, in winning and losing and the negative tweets and the social media that's really, uh, really bad out there. But there's some good parts, great parts, mostly to Indiana athletics. And I'm really proud to be part of a, a school and a fan base uh, that sometimes gets a bad rap, but whoever's responsible for that uh, website and getting people into Assembly Hall to appreciate Indiana basketball, uh, that's what we all need to rally around and, and and have more of and support the guys. And like I said, like them, be critical, love them, whatever you want, but that's Indiana basketball to me. And I hope those 18 people walk away tonight with just a, a great memory of their first time uh, in Assembly Hall. And, and I just wanted to make sure that was uh, heard by by our listeners. Yeah, so now we look ahead to a second round game in the NIT. You know, I think as coach mentioned earlier, these tournaments, you know, you got to get through that initial, you know, kind of just part where you're kind of getting comfortable and the guys probably had to get over the disappointment of not making the NCAA tournament. You know, now hopefully we've broken our tournament sweat and we're really really ready to get in here because as long as we're going to be in this tournament, 
let's make a run. You know, let's let's go to New York and see if we can win this thing. Uh, obviously, you know, got to win the next game first. We'll see if Romeo's able to play. You know, I haven't had a chance to look at all the Twitter comments uh, or all the you know post game press conference comments from uh, what I'm reading in the chat mob. You know, it sounds like Romeo hasn't really done much on the basketball court since the Big Ten tournament. That the back has you know has really been bothering him. So. You know, as I said before, we have no reason to not give him the benefit of the doubt that he wants to play and that he will play if he's healthy. Obviously, we'd all love to see him back, but we all, you know, we don't want him to play if he's not healthy. So hopefully he can get healthy and hopefully this team plays long enough, uh, you know, that he's able to get healthy, get him back out there at least one or two more times in Indiana uniform. But, you know, overall tonight, uh, I'm pleased with what the team was able to do. That first half was bad. And, you know, if... We did. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about the first half. If you if you want to relive it at all, I mean, you could watch it. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't do that. But go listen to the halftime report. Starkly different tone than what we've had here, and and I think that was warranted after what the guys did in the second half. Because you know the way Indiana played in the first half, it wasn't acceptable. It was bad, but to a certain extent, it was understandable, kind of given some of the circumstances. And so. You know, if you can come out and then dominate by 20 some points and take care of business in the second half, you can overlook it a little bit, you know, assuming that it it kind of propels you forward and you start playing better in these future games. So, you know, Indiana, you know, because of the opponent uh, and just I think the talent level difference, you know, Indiana was able to get a little bit of a mulligan for their first half. They took advantage of it and were able to play well in the second half. And now we hope that they will carry that momentum uh, forward and that we'll get a good performance in the next round of the NIT whenever that game is. Obviously, we'll you know, send out some tweets whenever we find out about it. And we will look forward to talking to you on the post-game show after that game. But that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU post-game show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you certainly on Thursday night, either for AC Radio or the postgame show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. 
Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment, but Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense.